0: All right, citizens, how you guys doing tonight? <clears throat> hey, thanks for being here. My name is Sam. Uh, I'm one of the youth pastors here, and uh, I'm excited to be with you guys. Man, it is good to have you back. Man, I see people back at school, uh, people back from their vacations, and, uh, man, it's good. Man, I'm standing in the back, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, how cool is it that we're gathered here in one room, and, uh, man, we're different, man. I'm looking around. A lot of us are different, right? Like, we're, we have so many different things about us. But the, the reason why we're here together in one room, the thing that we have in common, without which none of us would even be hanging out, is the fact that we're here to like, because God changed our life, man, you know? And so we're singing and different people are reading the words and raising hands and whatever it is, but uh, we're here because God, he's real and he's changed our life. And so welcome. This is Citizens. Uh, if you've never been here before, maybe this is your first time. I saw Courtney giving out those shout outs. So uh, whoop, whoop, shout out to you as well. Uh, Why don't you guys go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to be in uh, the book of Ephesians. And as the French say, Ephesians, right? I'm going to actually have a translator come up and translate everything I say into French because Courtney's been out of the country for so long that she doesn't understand English anymore. So, um, any volunteers? I need a French interpreter. (laughs) Yes, thank you. You guys can do that from your seats. Appreciate it. So, hey, I want to talk to you guys tonight. As you guys open up your Bibles, I want to talk to you guys tonight about these two guys that I know. And uh, I've come to know them as the Bash Brothers, all right? And so these these guys, they're like the best of friends. You know what I'm talking about? The Bash Brothers? It's like they are practically inseparable. They're always together. I've actually never seen one without the other, right? These are the Bash Brothers, now, before you, before you make assumptions here, before you get the wrong idea, I just want to clarify in front of everybody, we're not friends, all right? I'm not friends with them. Not me and you. No, no, we're friends. But these Bash brothers, we're not friends. As a matter of fact, no one likes them. No one likes them, except for each other, right? That's how it works. And they don't even like anyone, really, except for each other. And so these are the Bash brothers, right? I've known them as long as I can remember, honestly. I, mean, I, I remember as a child, I knew these guys, and all too often, all too often, I, I found myself experiencing the unpleasantness of their company, right? I don't like really hanging out with them. And The funny thing about these guys is they only show up when I mess up. You know what I'm talking about? Like they—they they only come around when I mess up. When I do something that I know—this uh, so is me here. I'm talking. When I do something I know I shouldn't do, that's when they come around. And these are the two guys that they never let me live it down. These are the Bash Brothers here. And that's why I actually gave them their nickname, right? They bash on me, and they just—they don't let me live it down. They hold it above my head. They bash on me, and me personally. To be transparent here, I've learned to actually hate the way that they make me feel. I'm going to be honest, right? Like when they come around, they they make me feel, I I just, I hate the feeling. And so I've learned that when I mess up, it's actually easier to just hide, right? I actually just, I didn't do it. I I pretend like I didn't mess up. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking, what? I just hide, right? I act like it never happened before. When I do something that I know I shouldn't do, I hide from everyone. Because if I hide from everyone, then at least I'm hiding from them too. I hate the Bash Brothers. I remember a time I was a kid, and um, I'm in this argument with my mom, right? And you just, there's like like arguments, and then there's like the and you just know, like tension is rising, and you just feel the room, right? And you're like, is it getting hot in here right now? (laughs) she did she just say what I think she said, right? And it's just getting hotter and hotter. And it's just like, finally, dude, I just came out. and I was like, mom, you're so dumb. Wrong, don't laugh, wrong, right? Right off the bat, wrong. But I couldn't admit that I was wrong. You know why? Because those two would never let me live it down. And so what I did instead of, I, I just decided to go to my room. I closed the door and I just hid. Hiding from my mom, hiding from those two guys. Man, I'm just gonna hide from them. I hate the way they make me feel, man. They'll, hold, they'll never let me live it down if I admit that I'm wrong. And so I hid from them. But the reality is, guys, they found out. I remember I was a teenager, man, and, and you pick a day, and this is the story, but like I, I used to get caught in these cycles of lust and sin and lust and sin. And I would hate myself, especially because the last time I swore this would be the last time. And here I find myself Again, caught in this cycle. And I can't let anybody know, right? So I would hide. I don't know. I didn't know what they were talking about. I would hide from God for a few days, trying to avoid the bashful. Man, if I hide from God, if I hide from them, you know. But the reality is, they found out, man, every single time. Three years ago, you know, I'm 22 years old. I moved clear across the country. I get married. I'm in Vancouver, Washington. I moved from Pennsylvania. And uh, I'd like to stand up here right now and be like, guys, that was the last time I've ever seen those two. (laughs) Yeah, good riddance. But like, (laughs) you know what actually happened? I'm not kidding you. Those two, they followed me across the country. They actually just moved in next door. (laughs) Dude, they're literally my neighbors right now. And like I said, <laughs> they only show up when I mess up, and this past week, to be honest, I spent a lot of time with them. So what does that tell you about my last week, right? And so to be transparent here, man, this, this past week I've I've struggled, man. As you're as an as an adult, as your youth pastor, I've struggled this past week, and I've been like dealing right now with this like crazy frustration. Like I've just been super frustrated, and it's coming from like this like ungodly impatience, and, and I know it, right? I've been struggling with anger. Like, you ever, you ever be so angry on the inside? And I'm, I'm composed, I'm mature, so I'm not the kind of angry person that's like, ah, throw this, right? I don't, I don't punch holes in the walls, but I'm the kind of angry person <laughs> that'll rip the podium off. No, no, I'm the kind of angry person that like, I start thinking things that I just know aren't right, right? And I just, in my head, I'm saying words and I'm saying to people, and every once in a while, it's just, it's like the, this anger inside of me seeps out so much that I just, I actually whisper under my breath, right? Like, that's been me this past week, man. I'm being honest. And all of this is rooted in this like sinful like lack of faith, really, is what you can call it. But anyway, my point is, I- I've been struggling with this. I've been messing up this past week. And so guess who comes around, right? It's the Bash brothers. They come around. They, they see what I'm doing. And I'm-, I'm actually kind of embarrassed to say this, but like, they've convinced me to hide my sin from God. They convinced me, Sam, you're a youth pastor. What are you talking I know, I, they convinced me to hide my sin from my wife. They convinced me to hide my sin from those closest around me. I, I, and again, I, again, I'm embarrassed, friends, but like, I'm being honest with you, man. They convinced me that if I let people know what was going on in my head and heart, they convinced me that people would be disgusted by me. They convinced me that people would be disappointed in me. And so they've just been telling me all week, and I've been hanging out with them way too much. They're like, Sam, you should just run. Just just hide. And I'm standing up here today on a Wednesday night to tell you that's what I've been doing, man. I've hid, I haven't looked, I've been hiding from God, I haven't talked to my wife about this. And it's just, I've been letting this stuff, I'm just letting it stew and harbor and anger, and I've just been struggling with this. And I hate these two guys because they never let me live it down. Their names are guilt and shame. Have you met these guys? I hate them. I really do. I hate the feeling. That, I hate the way they make me feel. I hate the way they talk to me. I hate what they say in my head. And what I've realized this past week, which is why I'm beginning a new sermon series today, a three-week sermon series called 360, and what I've realized the past week is that our only hope, your only hope and my only hope of dealing with these two guys is the cross of Jesus. That, that I'm going through this right now and I'm telling you, for what we're gonna do for three weeks, we're gonna take three looks at the cross of Jesus. We're gonna look at the past We're going to look at the cross in the present, and we're going to look at our future. And so today, we're going to get into a passage here where we're going to see what God has already done. And friends, the good news here, what you're going to see and what I'm going to see, is that through the cross of Jesus, God has killed the Bash brothers. He's killed guilt and shame. And I think that's good news for all of us, right? And so why don't you guys look at these few verses with me. It's not going to be a long one. But let's look at these few verses, starting in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go 1 through 7, all right? You guys with me? Yeah. Just by a show of hands. Have you guys met guilt and shame before? So you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You know how they only show up when you mess up? Let's look how we can handle them. Look at this. verses, Starting in verse 1. And you, everybody say you. you. No, 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 you. You're like, wait, I said that. I know. And you were dead. You were dead Let's pause there. Let's pause there. You know why guilt and, sh- uh, guilt and shame, why they're so powerful? It's because they know our rap sheet. Guilt and shame, they know your rap sheet. You guys know what a rap sheet is, right? You know what a rap sheet is? You're like, I have a rap sheet, yo. No, no, seriously. You know what a rap sheet is? It's like a permanent record of everything you've done wrong. Like criminally speaking, right? It's like well, on this day, they were committed this. On this day, it's like, dude, for real, they keep a list of that? Yes, they do. It's called a rap sheet. And the reason why guilt and shame have such power over us is because they know our rap sheet. And you know what your rap sheet is? You know, you know what's on your rap sheet? Look, it's right here. The first three verses are your rap sheet. And look at the very top. Read it again. It says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Our sin caused our spiritual death, right? So right at the top of your rap sheet, it says Sam Cassis, born August 11th, 1990, criminal record, rap sheet, underlined bold, my sin caused my own spiritual death. Do You guys know what death is? You're like, obviously. No, no, but think of it, like, do you know what, what at, the, at the end of the day, whether you're reading it in a book, whether it happens in real life, the, the, the point of death is simply this, it's separation. So if you were to die right now, please don't die. I'm, like, don't, right? Like, like, hypothetically speaking, if you were to die, right? Cue the fake dead lady, right? But think about it. If you were to die, you would instantly be separated from life and everyone in it. Like, you don't go on a trip. Hey, you die. Okay, I'll see you in a few. No, like, there's no way, right? There's no way to get back to you. You're, you're separated. When you die, your corpse is there. The lights aren't on, right? <laughs> Ding! the lights are always on. Not here, not in death. That's what death is. It's separation from life. And so when it says spiritual death here, we are spiritually separated from God, the the, the source of life, and his family, right? And so Paul is saying this, hey ladies, hey dudes, your relationship with God is so severed, you're, you're so at odds with God. You're so separated with God that the only way I can describe that situation is like, you're dead. It's like spiritual death. You're separated. That's the situation, right? And so how, how do you get there? Like what, Wait, wait, Sam. Come on, Sam. Come on, Sam. Really? You're being extreme. Death? I'm separated from Who deserves that? God created me anyway. God is love. You're telling me that there's people that their relationship, it's like spiritual death, they're separated from God? Surely, if there's death involved, like maybe it was a murder, right? It must have been an accident. Like, I mean, like, why else would I end up dead? But that's the whole point on your rap sheet. It says your sin caused your spiritual death. It says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Guys, you gotta understand sin here, right? This is how I used to think of sin when I was a kid, when I was a very good kid that always obeyed the rules. Um, I used to think of sin as like those pointless rules that people just put up and there's really no point. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like no swimming in the pool after you eat for 15 minutes, right? Pointless rule, right? Unless the lifeguard say otherwise. Is that a real rule? 30 minutes, yeah, right, right? That's a pointless rule. Don't run with scissors. Come on, who, who made that one up, Right? There's an old guy somewhere right now, like, no, I'm telling you, don't run with scissors, right? Like, but but honestly, I get the point. But like, it's pointless, right? Run with scissors. That's what I used to think sin was like. There's some like pointless rules, and like if you ever like break one every once in a while, that's what sin is. No, 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 no. What sin is? What I see here in the, in the passage, sin is a lifestyle. It, it, it's a way of life that is rejecting God's design. It's a way of living that rejects God's design. And what happens is, and this is what happens, when, when we reject God's design, we're actually rejecting God himself, right? So, so think of it like this. It's like, it's like God says, all right, humanity, boys and girls, here we are. I'm designing life to be lived this way. And sin, sin says, yeah, I'm gonna do it this way, right? I mean, think of a million examples. Like just even in your own worlds, God has designed life, to where humans are caring for one another, they're loving for one another, you're looking out for your boy, he's looking out for you, you got your girl's back, she got your back, right? And and that's how humans are supposed to live, that's the design. But everywhere I look, I see people rejecting that design, and really, they're tearing each other down to make themselves feel better. Have you guys experienced that? Have you guys seen that, like, this week in school, maybe? (laughs) Right? Everywhere I look, I see people rejecting that design, and they go, actually, I'm gonna look out for number one no thank you for the design. Dude, God designed humanity. He designed you, young men and young ladies. He designed it so that you would love and be faithful to one spouse your entire life. That's God's design. What has culture done? Whole stock and barrel. Forget that design. I'll do what I want with my sexuality. That's the message. That's rejecting God's design. Man, if you, if you think about it even in a bigger picture, zoom out. God has designed life to where you as humans, everything you do would point back to God. And so, so, so when I speak, it's like, look at God, right? When, when, I, when, I, when I, my actions cause other people to go, wow, that's what God is like. When I, when I work, well, I don't know where that motion came from. It's just like from in here, you know? And so it's like when I'm working and I'm recreating things and I do things, my actions are even telling other people that's what God is like. I know, man. I, it just comes out of me, right? But what do we do? For, is that the design that we live by? No, what does humanity do? They build stages. We We, let's make it personal, right? We build stages. We build our lives. We build platforms and profiles and social media. And we live in such a way that says, Look at me, right? No thank you to the design. Is it any wonder that our relationship with God is is broken? When you reject the design, you're rejecting the designer. You're disrespecting him. Does that make sense? Like, what what are you supposed to do? Guys, listen, are you supposed to be like, no thank you to the design. I'm gonna do it my way. Hey, what's up, God? How you doing? Wait, what? Like, what else could we do? What else would you expect? Our sin causes us to be separate from God. you guys understand that? But hey, it gets worse. (laughs) The rap sheet gets worse. When you look at these three verses, on your rap sheet, Kayla Huckins, her sin caused her spiritual death, but there's actually more. Look what it says. It says that you were following the prince of the power of the air. So not only are you rejecting God on your rap sheet, but it says that you're actually following someone else. Think about it it says it says the, 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 prince of, the prince of sin himself, Satan, every time that you and me, and, and I got to include myself in this, that's why I, I talked about what I'm going through this week, every time that we reject God's design, we're actually following someone else's design. And the text tells us that that other person is Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Sam, oh my gosh, how outdated is that Satan? Really? There's nobody with horns around making me do things. No, but I I can prove it to you. You guys have all experienced this this pull and this influence. Think about it. All of you guys, think of a moment, and I'm telling you, you're going to be able to in a heartbeat. Think of a moment like this. There's a moment where instinctively you know what the right thing to do is. Because you're made in the image of God. You instinctively know the design. You know how it's meant to be. And so inside of you go, I know that this is kind of maybe, yes, it is the right thing to do. But then there's that other voice inside of you, and it says, ooh, yeah, about that. Forget it, bro. Just do what you want, right? That's the influence of Satan. You're going, I know the design of God yeah, whatever, <laughs> right? And you just do what you want. That right there, the, that, that moment, those passions and those instincts to go this way, even when you instinctively know that you're supposed to go this way, that is Satan and his influence at work in your life. That's the prince of the power of the air. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to make you disobey God. You know why? Can I be honest here? Because he knows that the sons of disobedience He wants to keep you spiritually dead because he knows that the sons of disobedience are also children of wrath. Look what the the text says here, the the end of the rap sheet. It says that the sons of disobedience are, quote, by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Guys, you have to understand this. God, this is what God is like, right? Forget the popcorn and bunnies and all the other cartoons about God. Listen, listen, and maybe this is even a good point. Like when you picture God, when somebody says the name God, instantly you have things that come to your mind, right? You have a picture of God, and God is like this, and God is like this. And here's what we're trying to do every single Wednesday. For those of you who are new with us, when when, when we open up God's word, we're constantly editing that picture in our head well i feel like god is like this but every time we read every time we study every time we talk with other christians that picture is becoming clear and clear and so here's the picture that we see when we when we hear about god we realize that part of the picture is that god is perfectly and justly going to deal with evil We know that at the end of time, friends, this is more than a movie. At the end of times, he is going to pour out his perfect wrath and anger and righteous indignation against Satan and evil. And so here's Satan in the crosshairs of God's wrath, and he would love for nothing more than to go, hey, come here. Hey, (laughs) right? God, remember this one? Remember the one you made? Yeah, look, she's now with me, right? She's a son of disobedience. You act in a way that God's not your father. Your your father is the prince of sin. And so therefore you are a son of disobedience. And he loves for nothing more than to make you a son of disobedience. Because sons of disobedience are also children of wrath. And friends, this is the sad truth. At the end of time, when God pours out his wrath on evil and on Satan and on injustice and all those things, everyone who is standing on that side in line with Satan will be in the line and in the path of God's wrath. Does that make sense? And so you guys have heard the phrase misery loves company, right? Satan, his, his destiny is set. He's going to receive a fistful, a face full of God's perfect just wrath and he loves for nothing more than for you and I as teenagers, as young adults to be like, hey, come here for a second. Wait, God, what? Fire, you know how messed up is that right he knows that sons of disobedience are also children of wrath verses 1 through 3 bummer huh well that's all we got for today friends so uh, good luck see you on the other side let's close um, I'm kidding right it would be a bummer if it ended there because can I be honest with you guilt and shame the bash brothers these are the verses they used to get me when I find myself in those situations where I've messed up, when they come around and, and they want to come hang out on my couch and be like, bro, let me tell you what you should do. They're reading me verses 1, 2, and 3. They know my rap sheet. And that's why they're, they're so influential. They tell me, Sam, hide. You're a sinner. Look, Sam, you're a sinner. You're a son of disobedience. You have no right to be with God, John. You should just run away. Go hide. And so what I do is when I'm hanging out with, when I'm hanging out with shame and guilt, and and I don't like them, but I don't know why. They always come around. I take my sin from my rap sheet. I lock it away in a vault. I keep it secret, and I don't want anybody else to know my sin. I'm I'm ashamed of it. I feel guilty. You guys heard about the Ashley Madison situation going on here? Have you guys not heard about that? So there's a website where you can have an affair secretly with other people. And so married people, (laughs) do you think that little voice was going off in their head at this time? Here's God's design, but go on the website, right? And so what you would do is it's like a Facebook for people who want to commit adultery. You guys haven't heard about this? This is everywhere. And so people, they create a profile They sign up, they put their name, their email, everything. They create a profile and only other people on the website can see them and they can hook up for affairs in their area. You think shame and guilt are around those guys? But it's okay, though. They they can keep shame and guilt at bay and, and shame and guilt is whispering to them, guys, you better keep this secret. Whoa, an affair? Dude, you have four kids. You have a dog. I mean, you got got a family. I don't know. The dog is part of the family, right? You have a family. You better keep this sin hidden. There was a pastor. Oh my gosh, God, please. There was a pastor, um, a Baptist pastor. And he, he created a profile. And he messed up. And so who shows up when he messes up? Guilt and shame. And so guilt and shame showed up this past week to his house. And they said, bro, you better keep that secret, man, because if that comes out, whew, God's not gonna, you know, he's gonna be disgusted by you. And so he kept it secret. Except what happened was there were some hackers that just hacked Ashley Madison. And they said, if you don't shut down this website, we're gonna release all the names. And Ashley Madison said, sorry, this is our website. And so a few weeks ago, they released every single name of every person who created a profile on Ashley Madison. Every single person. Sin and sin, sin, Shame and guilt said, you better keep this hidden because if anybody finds out, you're a child of wrath, man. You're just, oh, as if God doesn't know already. And so what happened when the names actually came out? There was nowhere else to hide. There was no, you, there was no more I could run. Not me, I'm sorry. There was no more he could run, he was saying. And so this pastor committed suicide this week. Guilt and shame, they were whispering to him, run, dude, you better keep it secret. You better just run, hide your sin, hide your sin. And now finally the sin came out and the only place left that he could hide it was in the grave apparently. I hate guilt and shame. They remind us of our rap sheet. They say, you better run, you better hide it, keep it secret. But friends, here's what I want to tell you today when guilt and shame when the bash brothers these demons of people when they come and they read to you your rap sheet in verses 1 2 3 you know what i want you to do i want you to remind them of the next three verses look what it says starting in verse 4 but god yeah you're a child of wrath you're dying you're disgusting you don't even you reject god's design you're spiritually dead but god Huge interjection here. But God, being rich in mercy, he's rich. He's loaded. And what's his currency? Not talking about moolah, friends. He's rich. He's overflowing with mercy. He's rich in mercy because of the great love. Yeah, he loves me. No, no. Great, prodigious, this huge, lavish, whatever other adjective you can look up in your thesaurus, friends. Like mega love with which he loved us wait a minute, guilt and shame didn't tell me about that part of God. They were trying to create a picture of God of, remember, he's going to pour out his wrath. But wait a minute, there's more to the story, guys. Guys, take out your pencils. C- continue to edit your, your picture of God. It says he's rich in mercy, great love with which he loved us. When? After we got our act together, he loved us. No, he loved you even when you were dead in your trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Guys, (laughs) sin and shame, shame and guilt, they want to read us our rap sheet, but here's the reality. God exchanges our rap sheet for Jesus' status. Yes, you have a rap sheet. You don't need to deny that. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to keep it hidden away because if anybody finds out, they'll hate me. No, what we need to do is come to the God who is rich in mercy and he will take your rap sheet and exchange it for Jesus' status. Look at it, guys. It has the butt here. It says, yes, he is just. He will rightly punish sin one day. Yes, you have a rap sheet a mile long. Be honest, all right? Yes, you're keeping your sins secret and hidden, but that's not the whole picture. Interject, but God, he's also rich in mercy. He's rich in love. And so I feel like, man, like we don't even know what love is, to be honest. You know what we picture? Like if you wronged me, if you did something bad to me, and somebody says, but Sam, you should love Josh, do you know what we're really saying? All right, love means Forget about it. All right, just, hey, Josh, like, don't sweat it. All right, forget about it. I'll forgive and forget. I'll sweep it under the rug. That's what love is. Love just forgets about it. That's not the kind of love here, right? That's not love. That's injustice, right? There's something inside of it that goes, no, he should pay for what he did. Letting him go, that's not love. That's stupidity. Imagine people saying that about the sex traffickers in Portland right now. God loves them. Oh, well, you know what sex traffickers just forgive and forget, I guess. Never mind. Don't sweat it. Everyone of you right now are thinking like, what? Like imagine Taken with Liam Neeson and like they got away. <laughs> right? Liam Neeson. Come on, you know yeah. Liam Neeson and Bruce Willie? No. no, listen. Imagine Liam Neeson going to the other country and, the, and he goes, and at the end of the day, the sex traffickers won. <laughs> are you kidding me, Right? How many of you guys were able to keep your shirt on when Liam Neeson got the bad guy? I'm being honest. Guys, I said guys, all right? Dudes, bros, right? Everything inside of you when the bad guy got what was coming to him. How many of you guys were just like, Craw! right? We love justice. To forget that, that's not love. That's not the kind of love God has. Just sweep it under the rug, Kira. No, That's weak. This is the kind of love that God has. God doesn't say, don't mention it. He handled my sin and death, catch this, by uniting me with Jesus. That's how He handled it. And so look at both sides of this coin here. On one side, Jesus came, He paid the death that you deserve. You have a rap sheet, you deserve spiritual death, you deserve to die because of your sins. Jesus paid for those sins. You had a bill. Jesus picked it up and he paid it himself. He took our sin. And so while, while, while shame and guilt are constantly reminding us, look how much you owe. Ooh, you messed up again, Hoover. Ooh, I can't even believe you, Burchette. Wow, like you done messed up. No, 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 we can remind ourselves, friends, Jesus paid for my sin. My rap sheet is clean. It's wiped out. Also on this side, he united us with Jesus. Jesus took our guilt and shame, but then on the other side, he gave us his status. And you gotta look at this here. Maybe go back tonight and look at it, but in chapter one, it says that Jesus died on the cross, he was made alive, raised up, and seated with God the Father. Do those verbs sound familiar? Look at chapter two, though. It says that we were made alive, raised up in verse six, And seated with the heavenly father. And so wait a minute. The very thing that happened to Jesus, Paul says it also happened to us. I know that sounds confusing, but check it out. The point is, it's because we're united. It's because we're united. So the very thing that God did to Jesus, Jesus' status is now our status. Jesus, he's he's the son of God, is he not? Well, now because of Jesus, you can be a daughter of God. You can be a son of God. Jesus had a perfect relationship with the Father, but you're united in him. So now you can have a perfect relationship with the Father. Your rap sheet doesn't get in the way anymore. When God looks at you, He's not. Dis- he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your rap sheet, friends. Catch this. He sees the status of Jesus that Jesus exchanged with you. And so the picture that we get is that those who have put their faith in Jesus We're united with him. I don't have fear of his wrath anymore. I don't have to deal with shame. I don't don't have a guilt that makes me hide my sin. He accepts me because of my faith in Jesus. And so friends, what's your story? Is it spiritual death? Is it your rap sheet? Like what's your, like you personally, what's your story? What's your identity? Do you feel like, dude, yeah, my story is, I have a rap sheet a mile long, and I'm a son of disobedience, and so that's the way it's always going to be, because that's not my story anymore. It doesn't have to be your story, or you, man. I'm just kidding. He just walked across the front. I thought he wanted to be in it. That doesn't have to be your story anymore. I don't need to hide. Like, think about this, man. Like, this past week, I'm gonna confess some more. Why not, right, we're on the theme of confession here. So here's my testimony from yesterday. And uh, so I record baseball games. My, my baseball team, they're on the East Coast. I'm a huge New York Mets fan. And uh, just like Isaac Garrison and Josh Holman, we're Mets fans, represent. All right, you're dead to me. Um, so I, I watch baseball games, and so I record baseball games. You know what the problem of recording baseball games is? There's other people in this universe that know the outcome before you do. And so, my wife may have heard of her. She lives with me. And uh, she's awesome. Except the other day, she was still awesome. I just wasn't, I guess. But she comes in and uh, she thought, I don't, I don't even remember the details, but she thought that I said, oh, I already know the outcome. But like, I was like, Oh, I can bet the outcome, you know? And so she thought, like, oh. So she's like, oh, so you already saw that they lost. And I was like, Joe, are you kidding me? And like, you gotta understand me. Like, I'm all right, I'm a nice guy, whatever. But when it comes to sports, I just overreact a little bit, though. Just a little bit, you know? Like a little bit. And so instead of being like, oh, darling, you disappointed me because I didn't know the outcome. But it's okay, because your love is more important to me than baseball. I didn't say that. I should have. I left that index card in my room upstairs, and I forgot my cue card. So what do I do? I'm like folding laundry, right, because I'm helping, because I'm a good guy. And so I'm helping. She goes, oh, so you already saw they lost. Joe, are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Jordan. And I just like stripped her down right there. like. And like, you guys ever see Monsters, Inc.? (laughs) You already know where I'm going with this. And Boo sees like Sully roar for the first time. And then you see Boo's face, and you're like, I hate him that was me wrong sin right who shows up when I mess up guilt and shame they're my neighbors remember so they knock on the door my wife goes upstairs and she's whatever you know what that means she goes upstairs to her room and uh, so my buddies guilt and shame come over they ring the doorbell and I let them in they sit on the couch with me watch the rest of the game we're all idiots at this point And they convinced me, dude, dude, like, Sam, you know, you, but I mean, like, Sam, I mean, yeah, you suck, don't you, Sam, you know, but you could probably just get away with this if you hide, right, just like, give her her space, all she needs is space anyway, man, you know how ladies are so sensitive, you know, just like, dude, pretend like it never happened, just hide, just don't look at her in the eyes for a few days, she'll forget all about it. The other voice is saying, what's the other voice inside of me saying? Dude, like, she loves you regardless of your performance. God loves you regardless of your performance. You don't have to be ashamed. Just open up. Just be honest. Confess your wrongdoing. There's nothing wrong with that. And what are guilt and shame saying? Whoa, bad idea. Back it up, bub. Come on. All right. Just, like, hide. And so I'd love to tell you that I'm the hero of the story that fought guilt and shame. And I went upstairs to my wife, and I confessed to her. Forgive me for messing up. But it took me six innings being honest, sat on the couch, watched the rest of the game and having this internal thing like here's my here's what god would have me do. And then here's the influence of satan. Right here's here's guilt and shame yet again convincing me to hide my sin. But friends, the reality that god has exchanged your rap sheet with jesus status, it means that you don't have to hide anymore. God's acceptance of you is not based on your performance, so you don't have to lie about it, right? God's acceptance of you is not based on whether or not you looked on porn last week, so you don't have to hide it, you don't have to lie about it. God's acceptance of you is not based on whether or not you disrespected your parents or not. It's based on Jesus' status, so you don't have to hide those things. God's acceptance of us, those who put our faith in Jesus, is not based on our performance. It's not based on our rap sheet. It's based on our faith in Jesus. So why would we hide our sin? And our guilt, we don't need to. We don't need to. God has exchanged Jesus' status with our rap sheet. And so friends, here's what happens, right? When, when you and I put our faith in Jesus, when we experience, man, if you've never experienced the feeling of knowing that your rap sheet is wiped out, I mean, like, do you guys know, like, you are here. Like, are you with me? Like, do you know? Do you remember the first time that faith exploded in your heart and you realized, wait a minute, I really do believe, I really do believe with all my heart that God accepts me and he doesn't hold my past against me. Do you remember that feeling, all right? And even just now, thinking about it, I'm remembering that truth. We're reminding each other of that truth right now. God loves you and he accepts you regardless of your, your rap sheet. And what happens when we put our faith in Jesus like that our lives become displays of God's grace. God's grace is on display through your life. And I want to end with this. You guys know what a trophy is, right? What's the first question you ask when you see a trophy? What'd you get that for? What'd you get that for, huh? What'd you get that for? Here's the reality. Think of it like this. When you see a trophy, you know what a trophy's actually doing? It's actually telling a story, if you think about it, Right? The trophy means that the trophy is telling a story about the person holding the trophy. Nobody comes up to and goes, whoa, I wonder what wood they used for that, huh? Wow, what kind of metal is that? Is that real? No. They go, dude, what'd you do to get that? Trophies are achievements on display. And so with the story that the trophy is saying, the person holding this did it. All right the person holding this trophy had what it took baby exclamation point smile smile exclamation point right and so here's the thing our lives become trophies of god's grace our lives become trophies of God's grace. So friends, it's almost as if God was picking you up right here. He picks you up and he looks and he goes, look what I did. The holder of this trophy, look what I've accomplished. Look what I am like. I am full of grace and mercy. I've saved him. I am a, 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 a gracious God. I've paid his debt through Jesus. Look what I did. Our lives become displays of God's grace. And friends, it's going to be like that for all of eternity, for those of us who put our faith in Jesus. It's as if you go to school, right? And it's like, or you go to church, or you go to your team, or you're working out, or whatever it is, and like people hear from you and from things you say that you have a relationship with God. And they're like, what? Dude, I know your past. There's no way you have a relationship with God. And you go, actually, yeah, I do, I do. And it's not based on like my past performance. It's based because like Jesus saved me and I I put my faith in him. And now my life is not something that you would put in a museum, right? My life is not something that I wanna put in a museum for all you guys to admire. Wow, look how great of a person he is. No, my life is more like a trophy on God's trophy case saying look at another person he redeemed. Look at another person he has saved. Look at another person that he's reconciled to himself in spite of their rap sheet. And so friends, the big idea tonight is that Jesus has saved us from guilt and shame. He's killed the Bash brothers, man. He's eliminated them. And he can in your life as well. And so I'm gonna have the band come up because this is how we're gonna respond, all right? This is how I want us to respond. Some of you in this room, and I know this for a fact because we actually talked at the barbecue a few weeks ago, the last week. Some of you in this room you're not a Christian, okay? And, and you just, you, you're, you're open about that. You know, hey, you know what my parents believe? I'm still trying to figure out what I'm all about, but I'm not a Christian. And so the reality is, for those of you, you're still carrying your rap sheet, right? And you know what we do, though? Like, I, I remember what we do is we do this. We go, here's my rap sheet. Man, ah, oh, you know what? Actually, if you hold it this way, it's not that bad, right? Like, I mean, actually, if you just kind of like look at it in the light and squint and like do this, you actually can't, I mean, it's not that bad. But here's the reality, friends, for, for my friends here that you're not Christians, God doesn't want you to try to modify or tour, or spin it, or he doesn't want you to try to spin your rap sheet. He wants you to nail it to the cross. He wants you to exchange it today for Jesus' status. And so as we sing, um, as we sing and respond here, talk with somebody. There's leaders here, there's people around you. Take some time to, to talk to yourself and Pray. But like, if you're not a Christian, I I want you to think about what I'm saying today. Like, your rap sheet is still in existence. And one day you're gonna have to answer to God. But then, there's those of you in here who are perfect now, because you're Christians, and so (laughs) keep being awesome. No, 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 what do we do, huh? Those of us who are Christians, yes, we don't have our rap sheet, but we still hide, don't you? Do you still feel the tendency to hide from guilt and shame? And to keep your sins locked away and buried. And so the message for you today is not trade in your rap sheet, but it's be honest. Stop hiding. Jesus saved you from shit from guilt and shame. You guys don't need to come to youth group and put on a mask and pretend like I don't even know, I don't, I just I don't know what you're talking about, and hide. I'm so proud of several of you. Over the last couple of months, we've had a lot of you guys come up and share your testimony, and you you actually opened up, right? You stopped hiding in your small groups, and you go, "Whoa! Thank you, Jesus. That feels a lot better." And you actually encourage others to do the same by standing up here in front of the others. It's been some of my favorite nights over the last few months. Have been you guys sharing your stories, and so I encourage you in breakout groups tonight. Maybe when you go home, when you're talking to another leader, when you're talking to your friends. You don't need to hide. Your performance is not, or your, your acceptance from God is not based on your performance. So, why do you need to hide it? Open up, conquer it, don't keep it in the dark. And so, friends, Jesus saved you guys from, from guilt and shame. Let's stand. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to respond with some musical worship.